All right. Y'all know I like to be honest with you, right? I just lay it out there. I really don't, I don't want to preach this sermon today. I'd much rather preach something else. Um, in fact, I've spent more time prayerfully preparing, try to say that ten times fast, to preach this sermon than any sermon that I can remember in the last several years. But I think God's word has something for us this morning, and if we'll pay attention, it's going to make us more committed to Jesus, and it's going to make us a more faithful church. So here we go. Y'all ready? You're all right. All right, and you know, we're, we're in some changing times in, in, in our country right now, aren't we? Um, and I think we need to realize that things that are happening in our country are happening in a way that the, those of us in the church have never seen happen. Now, in all this change, the message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, must never change. Let me say that just as we start, because God doesn't change. And so his message cannot change. But how we function as a church needs to be tweaked from time to time as the culture changes around us. One of my favorite TV commercials, uh, and this was on a few years ago, was it was for a rental car company. And here's the setup for this commercial. It's a rental car company, and some employees notice how angry the customers are that are standing in a long line to rent a car. And they're frustrated because they're standing in a long line waiting to rent a car. They want to get going. So a manager comes up with a brilliant idea. We have all these people in long lines. They're mad. Let's do this. Let's give everybody in line a stress-relieving squeezy ball. Because if they have to stand in line, at least they have something to relieve their stress. Now, while this company is focusing on stress-relieving squeezy balls for the people standing in the line, another rental car company says, well, wait a second. Rent a car from us, you don't have to stand in line. You can go straight to your car. See, that second company knew times were changing and people didn't want to stand in line at all. That first company wasn't really dealing with the core issue. They were trying to keep things the way things had always been going. See, there's a shift happening in the United States like we've never seen before in our nation's history. We are living for the first time in a post-Christian world. Let me explain what I mean by that. Now, the United States has never been established as an official Christian nation. But we've been given the freedom to worship however we want without the government establishing an official religion like England has, the Church of England. Part of your taxes, if you live in Great Britain, is to support the church. But... Our country has had a Judeo-Christian values since our founding. And 
in our country, the value of churches has always been respected. Christianity has been the dominant worldview for much of our nation's history. But we find ourselves in the midst of a shift, a change in our country. And we're living through it. The role of churches in our society is devalued. Some studies now show that committed Christians who regularly attend Sunday worship are now minorities in our country. There are more people in the United States today who are not committed Christians than there are committed Christians. Evangelical Christians are in the minority in America today. We're disrespected in the media. We're being called narrow-minded and all kinds of names. We're being ridiculed for taking our faith too seriously. And you know what my response to that is? Praise God, it's about time. I mean that. See, we're living in a post-Christian world just as the first generation of Christians were living in a pre-Christian world. People in Paul's day had no idea who Jesus was. Just like people right here in Danville have no idea who Jesus is. And if you don't believe me, you haven't been hanging out with pre-Christian people enough. When Camp in the City was here, two-thirds of the kiddos were not affiliated with this church. And the counselors were astonished they would do Bible study. And some of the kids who were here had no idea who God was. They had no idea what a Bible was. I mean, who's Jesus? What, who? Say that? How do you say that? That's kids right here in Danville. We are in a post-Christian society. And because we're living in a post-Christian world here in America, I think we Christians have two options about how to respond. First thing we can do is to try to change society by electing Christian people we believe can bring the change that we desire to see. The other option is to change the way we do things as a church. Now, with somebody as a, with a high view of Scripture, I mean, I do, it's the, it's the Methodist way, I think it's important for us to take a look at the Bible to see what the Bible has to say about living in a culture that is not a Christian culture. So this morning, we're looking at the first several verses of Romans 13. In these verses, Paul tells us that Christians have a responsibility to obey the government, obey its laws, even if we don't respect the leaders or agree with those laws. And Paul says that we should do this, one, because if God put those leaders there, let's respect them, let's honor them. 
Second, if you don't do what the government says, you're going to get punished. And thirdly, because, you know, it's just the right thing to do. I think in these verses and in other places in the scriptures, we, we find a separation between the work of the church and the role of the government. I mean, I've searched the New Testament. This is part of why I've spent so much time focusing on this sermon. When I was home convalescing, I was praying about this sermon. And I've looked all through the New Testament, and I can't find a single verse that says that the role of the church is to get Christians to run the country. I can't find it. For example, Matthew chapter 22, a very famous passage here. Jesus says that regarding taxes, we should give the government what belongs to the government, but we should give to God what belongs to God. There's a separation there. I mean, Jesus made it clear, didn't he? The role of his followers is to focus on life in the kingdom of God. Let the world do what the world's going to do. Let the politicians do what they're going to do. We Christians have other, much more important things to focus on. Paul writes in Philippians 3.17 that we're citizens of heaven. That's where our citizenship lies. We're not citizens of the earth. Now listen, I'm, gonna, I'm absolutely going to vote this, this fall. And I love this country. I'm proud of this country. But as a follower of Jesus, my time and my energy will always be on issues that relate to the kingdom of God. Because that's what the Bible says we should do. And the tough part is this. Our society is incredibly polarized, isn't it? When it comes to politics. I mean, my goodness, we're like this. We don't even talk to each other. The problem for us is that kingdom of God issues crisscross the platforms of the two major parties. Jesus wasn't a Republican. He wasn't a Democrat. He didn't care about those things. He ushered in the kingdom of God, and that should be our focus. And no no matter who wins in November, this is not going to change at all what it means to live faithfully for Jesus Christ. It's going to stay the same. I mean, I love this nation. I'm so thankful to live here, but I am not going to stress I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to go on Xanax because of what happens in Frankfurt or Washington. Because my allegiance is to Jesus Christ. I scroll through Facebook and I see so many Christians just obsessed over these political issues. Aren't you all tired of that? Those of you who are on Facebook, didn't that get tiring? These arguments, these political arguments from, from, from Christians that love Jesus. And I'm thinking, you know, I wish they'd spend that much energy telling the next door neighbor about Jesus. Now can y'all see why I didn't want to preach this sermon? Woo, it'd be a whole lot easier to talk about just God's love. Wouldn't that be nice? But I feel that as your pastor, 
And because I love you all so deeply, it's my responsibility to address these issues. Because these are issues that are in Scripture. And I love you all, and I don't want you to be focused on the wrong things in life. Now, but, but since we're beginning life in America in this post-Christian age, and because our focus should be on the life and the kingdom of God, I think it's important, I think it's essential actually, that as a church, we start doing things differently if we're going to be faithful. I mean, just in this new world, in this post-Christian world, just opening the doors isn't going to get people in here. Advertising in the newspaper, that's not going to get folks to come. We can no longer have a big event and expect anyone to ever come again. Those days are over, y'all. We're in a post-Christian world. We're in a different world now. We're in a world that's very similar to Paul's world in the first century of the Roman Empire. See, that's why Jesus told his disciples to go into the world and make disciples. He didn't say, build a church building and when they come to you, make them disciples. If we're going to continue to be a faithful church for the next generation of Christians at Centenary. We're going to have to go out and find them. We're going to have to go out and get them. We can't just have a program and expect them to come. We're going to have to focus on making disciples and not just recruiting new members. That's what the church is going to look like in a post-Christian world. And think about this. When, when Peter and Paul and the other Christian leaders did this, when they went out and they just got folks, by the Holy Spirit, the church grew faster than they could keep up with it. I mean, sure, they were persecuted. Some of them were killed. But they didn't whine. They didn't say society was treating them unfairly. They didn't complain about it. The persecution just made the church grow stronger and larger and faster. Within a couple hundred years, listen to this, Christianity was the dominant belief group in the Roman Empire. And it was because of a movement of the Holy Spirit. But then something happened. Y'all didn't know you were going to get a history lesson today, did you? Something happened when the emperor in Rome, Constantine, became a Christian. Everything changed for the church. When Christianity became the official religion of the Roman Empire, that Holy Spirit movement came to a standstill. And we soon entered the dark ages of our faith. See, the kingdom of God that Jesus announced on the Sermon on the Mount and that he talked about in parables in Matthew 13 and in all the other places in the Gospels, that kingdom of God had been replaced with political power in an earthly nation. 
national politics came first and the kingdom of God was in the background. See, can you see why I'm excited about ministry possibilities in a post-Christian world? We finally have something in common with the Christians in the New Testament. We have proven Holy Spirit strategies for making disciples. This is exciting. But what that means is that we're going to have to change some of the things that we're doing or do them differently because we're in a different world now. Many churches are organized and they have ministries that fit really well in a Christian world, in a Christian society. But if we're going to be relevant, if we're going to be faithful in our mission to make disciples in a post-Christian world, we're going to have to rethink how we do everything. So many times in history, the church has played catch-up to where society is. I don't want us here at Centenary to be living that way. I want us to be right on the cutting edge with where people are so that we can reach them with the good news of Jesus. Now you use that word change and I saw y'all, some of y'all sat up straight. Some of y'all like had your expression changed a little bit on your faces. I mean, I understand Christians like change as much as Frosty the Snowman likes the beach. It just... They just don't go together. But we have to remember that our relationship with Christ is not for ourselves. The existence of this church is not for us. Think about this, how exciting this is. We're here in this time in history, in this generation of centenary, to share the love of Jesus with people in the greater Danville area and not just do ministry for them, not just do ministry to them, but to do ministry with them as we invite them to become part of our fellowship of faith and as we grow as disciples with them. See, if we don't start viewing the world and our church's context in the world honestly, churches in America are going to become like churches in Europe. They're museums that reveal a past glory. I don't want that in this country. Listen, I'll say it again. I'm excited about opportunities for ministry in a post-Christian world. It means I have to relearn everything. But that's okay, I love to learn. And it's not about me. It's about those people who don't yet know Jesus and their lives are a wreck. And what are we doing to share the message with them? Ministry in a post-Christian world allows us to focus on the kingdom of God as Jesus intended us to do. Tomorrow night, the church council is gonna receive a report from a four-person task force that has been meeting since January. They're going to present to the council 
a comprehensive strategy for how we as a church can be strategic in making disciples. So if you're on the church council, I prayerfully ask you to be at this meeting. And if you're not, I ask you with all my heart that you pray for us tomorrow at 7 p.m. Just turn the TV off. Pray for us. See, the world around us desperately needs Jesus. And the world around us desperately needs Christians who will lead them to Jesus. Life in a post-Christian world is different. We're not used to it. And we're right there on the change. We're at that tipping point in our society, and we're living through it. But the opportunities for ministry are exciting. Listen, our primary responsibility on this earth is not to be a good citizen. It's not to be a committed church member. It's to be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. So let's all make sure that our lives aren't filled and lived with an earthly focus, but a heavenly one. Because remember what Paul said in Philippians, our citizenship is in heaven. Let's pray.